Uh, okay, so this is our this is our second shiur uh, this year on Hanukkah, and this time it really is in the middle of Hanukkah, not in preparation. And I want to take a look at a very simple bracha that we all know, we all grew up with, and that is the birchat nisim, the bracha shanasan nisim la avotenu bayamimahem bazman hazeh, because it's a bracha that may have undergone some development over time. And that development may actually reflect something about the way that we are intended to view Hanukkah. So let's start from the beginning. Um, although it's not the earliest place necessarily that it's mentioned, the first place that it's mentioned in the context of Hanukkah is the famous sugi of Hanukkah and Masach Shabbat. Last week we looked at some parts from the beginning of that sugya of Mahadrin, etc. And now we're going to look a little further on Daf Chav Gimel Amur Aleph. You have what turns out to be a very famous sugya for other reasons. So when you light Ner Hanukkah, you have to make a bracha. And that becomes the source for a fascinating discussion about how you make a bracha on a mitzvah de Rabbanan, and the answers the Gemara gives. We're not going there today. Rav Yirmiya adds on, If you think about it, it's quite a startling statement. Because Rav said, when you light Ner Hanukkah, you have to make a bracha. And we kind of understand why, because there's a mitzvah of Ner, and once you clear the decks of the issue of making a bracha on a mitzvah Rabbanan, so you make a bracha on lighting Ner Chanukah. Rav says, if you see Ner Chanukah, you have to make a bracha. So the question is, does that mean you make the same bracha? Even though you didn't light it, you're seeing it, is it a different bracha? Is it just any bracha? It's a little unclear from his words alone. So Rav Yehuda comes along a little bit afterwards and puts it together into a calculus, a schedule. Yom Rishon, meaning the first day of Chanukah, Rav Mavarechstayim, if you see, and I'm going to add the word, if you only see Ner Chanukah, you say two brachot, Umadlik Mavarech Shalosh, the one who lights, says three brachot. We all know that, we all grew up with that. Mekan Ve'elach, meaning the rest of Chanukah, Madlik Mavarech Shtayim, the guy lighting says two, Ve'oem Mavarech Achat, the one who sees it, uh, says one bracha. Parenthetically, you'll notice that Rabbi Yehuda's statement is presented as a chiasmus. He first talks about the ro'eh, then the madlik, then the madlik, and then the ro'eh. Um, and um, either way, he starts both sections with two. So on the first night, the one who sees it says two, and the rest of the night, the one who lights it says two. So there's a nice little bit of uh, sort of mnemonic uh, memorization tools in his statement. But the part that we're concerned about here is that the ro'eh is making a different bracha, shall we say the madlik is making a bracha the ro'eh is not making, which means that we're now taking the first two statements of Rav and Rav Yirmiyah and understanding that they mean two different brachot, and that not only that, but that the madlik says the bracha that the ro'eh says. So when you light Ner Hanukkah, you're also seeing Ner Hanukkah. So whatever bracha you'd say when seeing Ner Hanukkah, you would make it if you lit it, and the other one who only lit and didn't write and didn't uh, and didn't and uh, who only saw and didn't light would only say the one bracha. Okay, we get that. Now, maimima um, eight. So the question here is which bracha gets diminished or cut out after the first day, and the answer is mima eight zman. Right, which means by the way, now we know that one of the three brachot on the table here, and it's a bracha that's com that's common to the roan mablik is Zman. Zman is another word for Shechianu. And the Gemara then raises a question, which also clues us into what the other bracha is. 
because we already know uh, that the Madlik is going to make a bracha, and that's clearly a bracha that the Ro'ed, not lighting, is, is not making. And that is Venimot Nes. Why don't we cut out the bracha of Nes for the rest of the week? Which means you would say, whatever the Madlik says, we get the Gemara later deals with that. We know the bracha, Madlik Neshochanukah, or six different versions of it. Um, and Shachianu every night. And on the first night, you'd also say a bracha for the nace. And the answer is nace called yom e'ite, that nace happened every day, or we're commemorating the nace every day, so we have to say the bracha on the nace every day. But the Gemara does not tell us what uh, what we're what it is we're supposed to say when it says nace. It just says say a bracha on the nace. Now Rashi here on the spot says Oram Vachstein, which is sha'asan nisim v'shachianu. So we now get a sense that there's this bracha called Nes is a bracha that involves includes the words Shasa Nisim. And then Shachianu is is uh, is man. All right. The riff on the spot earlier than Rashi says the following. Here's how he rewards the Gemara. Now which means now we're getting a much fuller read of that bracha. And then Shechianu. Notice, you look at that wording, what is missing from what you're familiar with in the Birchat Nisim? Look at the highlighted phrase in the riff. And the way he says that we're supposed to say Birchatanes is not what we say. What do we say differently? What do we add? Bayamimahim. Bayamimahim. Bayamimahim is not in there. Now, let's think about what this bracha might mean as formulated by the riff. What does that mean? We're blessing God who did what? What does it mean? So... Perform miracles at this time. What does it mean at this time mean? This time of year. At this time of year, meaning back in history, at this time of year, we're we're commemorating something that happened at this time of year way back then. Could be. But Bisman Hazen normally doesn't mean that. What does Bisman Hazen normally mean? Nowadays. It means nowadays, which is an odd thing to say. Shasa, you see the Bisman Hazen. It's very odd. So we got to see how the, where, where, where this is coming from. Now, there's one other place that we're familiar with this bracha, which is in the context of Mikra Megillah. We say Shasan Nisim Lavotenu and Chanukah. We say Shasan Nisim Lavotenu when we light and when we read Megillah on Purim, both day, night and day. And the Gemara in Megillah tells us tells it to us very clearly without any uh, any opaque uh, opacity, right? Of course, you know I'm kidding. Because what does it say in Megillah? It says only this. Now, just in context, the Mishnah in Megillah says that in places where the custom is to say a bracha, on Megillah you make a bracha. The Gemara raises a hue and cry. What do you mean, places where there's such a custom? You're obligated to make a bracha, like you are for all mitzvot. And they say, yes, that's this is referring to the bracha after Megillah, the one Haravit Rivenu Adan Dinenu, that's based on custom. But beforehand, you have to. And now the Gemara, as an aside, says, is the only mention anywhere about Birchat uh, Megillah, 
Mechasad before we need Megillatus there, and meaning in the Gemara, and Rav Sheshit Mikatrazia equal the Kamed Ravashi. So, and what did he say? Ubarich Manach. So he evidently got up to read Megillah in the presence of Ravashi, and he said, Manach. What's Manach? Manach is a mnemonic. What does it stand for? So look at Rashi. Al Mikra Megillah, And by the way, Rashi here is doing exactly what he did in Hanukkah, which is Shasanisim and doesn't give us any more information. Right? You take a look again at the riff. And then the riff, you have the Fanam Maimavarech, of Sheshmikatrazi Kwala Kamedu of Shesh Varech Manach Siman. And in one of the manuscripts of the riff, it says, Mikram Megillah, Shasanisim Shachianu. So again, except for the one mention of the Riff and Shabbat that has Shasani Simla Voltein and Bazman Azeh, we have very little information about the wording of this bracha. And by the way, the wording of this bracha does not exist anywhere in Shas. The bracha that we say, Shasani Simla Voltein and Bazman Bazman Azeh, you can't find those words anywhere in Shas. And not Bavli, not Yerushalm. However, you find something close. And that is, if you take a look at Source 7, you see the Mishnah at the very beginning of the last parak of Masachat Brachot. These are the first words of the ninth parak of Masachat Brachot. Haro'em makom shenasuvo nisim Yisrael. Omer baruch shasa nisim la'avoteinu bamakom hazeh. If you come to a place, and then the, the Mishnah, and there's a big brighta that, that elaborates. The Mishnah says that the, the brighta that elaborates all sorts of places and lists. If you come to Mabrotayer Dain and Avnail Gavish and all of these other places, then you make the brachash, the places where we have a record that there was a miracle happened in this spot to our ancestors. Like Mabrotayer Dain, the spot where B'nai Yisrael crossed the Yardain, you're supposed to make this bracha. I've made this bracha there. Baruch Shasan Nisim Avotenu Bamakom Hazet. And by the way, that is in the Mishnah, and the Gemara deals with it. Not a great length, but deals with it. That's the Nusach of the Bracha. So if you look at the Rif, which is seems to be the earliest version we have of our Bracha, what does it say? Which looks exactly like the Bracha that we have in the Mishnah, and substitutes Zman for Makom. In other words, here's what seems to be the development that there was a bracha that you were obligated to say when you came to a location where a great miracle had happened on behalf of our ancestors. And then when there were holidays that were instituted that had practices that were there to commemorate a miracle that had happened, not at that place, but at that time, it shifted from Bamakom to Bizman And that would explain what Bizman is. Maybe. We have one other possible bit of help from the Mishnah in a Mishnah that you everybody knows. Every Jew knows this Mishnah, whether they know it or not, because it's a Mishnah that almost verbatim appears in the Haggadah. At the end of um, the Haggadah section of Haggadah, just before Hallel, we introduce Hallel with the passage, and a few other uh, verbs of extolling. So that conjunction of asa lanu and laavotenu nisim appears here in a very famous passage in the Mishnah. 
And by the way, this is not about location. This is about time. We're celebrating on that night miracles that happened that night and around that night many years ago. So it seems that what we have in the brachot that we make, both at Ner Chanukah and Mikra Megillah, Shasani Sim Lavotenu, Bayamim Bahem Azban it seems to be a hybridization or a borrowing from the bracha you make. It's mandated and is explicated in the Mishnah. When you come to a location where a miracle happened, Shasani Sim Lavotenu Bamakom Azeb, combined with the Mishnah about Pesach, which talks about praising God for the miracles he did, but without that wording, on that night, which then shifts it to Bazman. So put it together and you get Bazman And your question is what Zevi pointed out. What about Bayami Mahem? Which is certainly part of the bracha. And again, we've all grown up with these brachot ever since we were little kids. Imagine skipping by Amimahim. We wreck the tune. It's very odd. So we got to see where, where all of this developed from. So I want to take you to the earliest source that we have, <clears throat> perhaps the earliest source that we have, post-Talmudic. It's in a, a collection which is known as Masachat Sofrim. Masachat Sofrim is in the collection of what we refer to as Masachtok Tanot, minor tractates, I guess they call them, call them, that are evidently 8th or 9th century, um, definitely with Eretz Yisrael influence, although they may have even been compiled in the Balkans, but they are printed in a standard shas at the end of Neziki and after, um, you know, Ediot, etc. by all these Masachtok Tanot, and perhaps the most famous one is Masachet Sofrim. Masachet Sofrim includes exactly what it sounds like, some laws about Safrut, but also much of the Ritual that we have around the Beit Knesset and around Kriyat Torah and around Shir Shalyom. We've mentioned Sachat uh, Sofrim a few times in the context of Shir Shalyom and all sorts of other rituals, including lighting their Hanukkah. Here you have it in Parakhat. Ketzad Mivarchin, source 9. Ketzad Mivarchin. How do we do Ner Hanukkah? This is a practical now. Bayom Rishon Avalik Mivarch Shalosh, Varesh Toyim. Avalik Omer Baruchat Hashem Ukin Mokholam, Sherkid Shalom, Mitzvotav, Sivan, Avalik Ner Shel Hanukkah. That's one of, again, six different versions of the bracha. Umatnev omer. Notice how he does it. You then declare a condition, as it were. After you make the bracha, and it's unclear where you're lighting in this context, but omer, hanero ta'elu anu madlikin. Notice in Masachat Sofrim, hanero ta'elu, or we call hanero ta'lalu, is said immediately after the first bracha. Now, does that look like Hanero Talalu, more or less? The beginning of it? Say Hanero Talalu in your head. Now, what's missing from this Nusach? It's not here. It's not here at all. And then watch what we say. Right, we rule that you're not allowed to get benefit from their Chanukah. Look at that. Now notice that Vasachat Sofrim also didn't give us the full Nusach, and I know it's not the full Nusach, 
Because it also said, Baruch Shachianu. And I know that there's more to Shachianu than that already in the Mishnah. So I know that Shasad Nisim is not the full Nusach, which was a short Nusach, but rather that's the beginning of the Bracha. And I don't know what the rest of the Bracha is still. Now I brought this to you mainly because of how interesting it is to see the order. You make Ladlik Ner, and then Hanero Talalu, and then Shachianu, and then Shasad Nisim. Very odd. Right, and by the way, he didn't mention at what point you light. Presume, presumably, you light as soon as you make the first bracha, and then you say aner talal, and all those brachot after it's lit, not the minhag ashkenaz. Okay. Um, the the hagot maimoniot, the Ashkenazi commentary of a student of Marami Rutenberg on the Rambam, quotes this um, this statement, and also has without by mahem azmanazeh right and. Uh, and he also has the same thing. There's not, nothing very new there. Now, we have to move somewhere else in Hanukkah to figure out what's going on. There's only one other place to move in Hanukkah, and that is Al-Hanisim. We're all familiar with Al-Hanisim, and we know the songs, and Al-Hanisim is what we're always reminded with a clock to say before during Shemon Esrei, in benching, all of Hanukkah, Al-Hanisim. Al-Hanisim ve'al-hanisim Whatever order you're saying it in, and you're going to see some other words that you're not familiar with there. This is from the Sidor of Avram Goen, the oldest Sidor that we have, ninth century. <clears throat> and notice what he says. Oh, we finally have And this is before the riff. Finally have miracles that you did for them at this time. Now, what does that mean by Amimahim Bazmanazeh? So you're going to tell, I know what you're going to tell me. You're going to tell me it happened way back then during this time of year, right? That's, that's how we understand it. Happened way back then during this time of year. And then you got to wonder, so why do you have to add by Amimahim? And before we had without by Amimahim, what does by Amimahim have to be there? We'll see. And then we have the Text, which you know, it's more or less our text, but look at what is added at the end. To him, it's not added. This is the Nusach. After when you finish telling this the story and they established eight days of celebration, you add just like you did a miracle for them. And this line perhaps is the synopsis, the the the, the catalyst for the whole shear. How do you end Al-Anisim? You end Al-Anisim not by thanking God for the miracle that happened and they established eight days and move on, but rather they established eight days and now Hashem do Nisim like that again for us today and then we're going to give full thanks to you, full-throated thanks to you, and then you move on. By the way, that's not the only place that it shows up. Same thing shows up, by the way, in Sadi Ram Ram Gaon, about Purim, same exact thing. Just like you did miracles, then you do them for the do for us now as a request. Um, by the way, it doesn't end in the Gonic period. You take a look at Machzor Vitri. This is now 13th century in Germany, France. All right, you have, by the way, take a look at this, and this is a critical difference. I'll, much of what I'm saying sounds trite, but just wait a minute, you'll see it's much bigger than that. And notice the word, 
What does Bayamim Ahem Uvazman Hazem mean? What is that Vav? Which, by the way, appears in many Nuschot. It means back in those days and in our day. Uvazman Hazem. It's very hard to interpret that as meaning back in days of yore at this time of year. Because what's the Vav? And how does it end? Just like you did miracles for them, do miracles for us in this at this time. All right. Notice Machzor Vitri. How do they make? How do they say the? This is from the school of Rashi. How do they say the bracha on their Hanukkah? Baruch Atah Hashem Rukholam Shasan Nisim Laavotenu Bayemimahem Uvazman Hazeh. The Shibol Elakad has the same nusach in 13th century Italy. Right. Rashi, Sidur Rashi, or Sefer Pardes, which is same thing. You open up the Rambam and you see which we're familiar with, but the Rambam also ends Alanisim with a request for the future that God should redeem us. Okay. Um, so what, what is it that's going on? So I'd like to make the following suggestion, and right now it's theoretical we're guinea-pigging it here a little bit, just starting with a theory. A bracha was instituted in Tanaitic times, and we have it explicitly in Masachet Brachot, that when you encounter a location where a miracle happened to the Jewish people in the past, you have to make a bracha on that place. The place generates a memory awareness and gratitude which you give, which you express through the bracha, shasan, isim, lavotenu, bam, makom, hazeh. Okay. At a later point in time, whenever it may be that there was an interest in instituting a bracha, perhaps following the, the hint, the, 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 the thinking that guides the halal on Pesach, which is we're thanking God not because we've encountered a place, but we've encountered a time at which a great miracle happened. So with the notion of making a bracha on Ner Chanukah, and in parallel on Mikra Megillah, Shanasa Nisim Lavotenu, then we simply shift it and say, Shanasa Nisim Lavotenu, Bazman Hazet. However, something else develops. And as you could see in Al in the earliest formula of formula of Allah Nisim, it isn't just a thanksgiving for what happened in the past. It is to start with a catalyst for requesting that God perform similar miracles for us in the present and save us in a similar way. But I'm going to take it further than that. It's not just a catalyst. It means that what are we actually celebrating with Hanukkah? And I'm going to make a suggestion why. There is a perception that with Hanukkah, what we're actually celebrating is an anticipation of a restoration of the Beit HaMikdash. Let's go back in time and think about it. <clears throat> when, the, when Hanukkah first happened, when the Beit HaMikdash was re conquered by a Jewish army, is liberated, was purified, when Jewish sovereignty was restored to Israel. However that played out, how was Hanukkah commemorated? How was it celebrated every year? This was celebrated in the Beit HaMikdash. 
whether it was, as Maccabees II said, that they celebrated it like Sukkot with Lulav and Etrog, celebrated with extra Korbanot, Korbanot Toda, whatever it may be, it was celebrated in the Mikdash. What happens with Korban HaMikdash? What happens when the Mikdash is destroyed? You have essentially three choices. By the way, you always have three choices. Choice number one is continue celebrating as if the Mikdash is up. There's certain things we do like that. Pesach night, we imagine that everything's been rebuilt for a little while. And then we slap ourselves at the Shana Babi Shalayim and we come out of it. That's choice one, is to put our head in the sand and everything's the way it should be. But we are not comfortable doing that. Shall we say, you ignore reality at your own risk. The other possibility is for Hanukkah to go the same way as almost everything else in Megillah Tanit, and that is Batla Megillah Tanit. Hanukkah is Batel. And Hanukkah ceases to be a holiday because it's about the Beit HaMikdash. Beit HaMikdash destroyed. The Sugyan Masachet Rosh Hashanah, Batla Megillah Tanit, with the Churban Beit HaMikdash. All the other holidays in Megillah Tanit, except for Purim and Hanukkah, are canceled. They're negated. There's no val there's no validity to them. So the other possibility is for Hanukkah to disappear. There's a third possibility yet, which is to commemorate Hanukkah and to anticipate it as a restoration of that same thing we're celebrating. And so therefore, the bracha becomes Basman Hazeh, not just Basman Hazeh, meaning at this time of year, but Basman Hazeh meaning now. And notice how it's reflected in Alanisim. We thank God for the past and we use it as a as a trigger for asking for the same kind of Nisim in the present. Hence, the bracha is Shasanisim Mabotenu Basman Hazeh. Basman Hazeh has a double entendre this time of year and also now. That double entendre then gets expanded with the expanded nusach of Bayamimahem Ubasman Hazeh. But if you think about how explicit that is, that can become dangerous. Because up until now, everything we've done, it's like if you want to find a messianic expectation in the words, you can, but it's not in your face. is quite in your face. So what happens? The Vav drops out. And we end up in, a set, in essence, going back to where we were earlier with the possibility being there for seeing this as a springboard for future redemption. But it can also be just commemorative. We, I don't know about you, but I have always, and I believe most people, have always approached Hanukkah as being a purely historic holiday. Meaning, of course, it's got spiritual messages, and of course, it has lessons that we should all take to heart. But as far as what we're, what we're celebrating, we're celebrating something about the past. And we tell stories about the past. Never saw it as something that's anticipatory. But I believe that originally it was seen in an anticipatory mode as a springboard for a future redemption. And you can see it in this fine wording that shifts from to suddenly to suddenly which then makes it much more of a piece about the past. And it's actually something that's discussed Take a look in, again, Masachet Sofrim, going back to the ninth century, or eighth, perhaps. Vyomrim Bahodaya says, in Modim, what do you have to say on Chanukah? So we would say, Alan Nisim, what should they say? Now notice how it starts. 
just like the wondrous miracles and salvations of your Kohanim, that you did with them, notice the entire focus about the future. The past is just a reference point. It's not, you did all this stuff in the past, now in the future, do it again. It's just like you did in the past. That's what we're asking for you, which means that the main focus of this bracha is about the future. Which leads, um, which leads uh, the following response, both in Tosfa, and it's also found in Rav Haigon, it's quoted in Sefer Itim, who were opposed, were opposed to this on purely technical grounds, which is that um, that in the last three brachot of tefillah, the Gemara seems to say that we're not allowed to make any requests. That any request, and more, more, more specifically, not the last three, any requests that are about the future, we put in Ritzay. And that's the Yalav Yavoz, request about the future. And anything that's giving out the past belongs in Modim. Modim is we're thanking God for what he's already done. And therefore, to add into Allah Nisim, which is in Modim, a request for the future, Nishtazor. And so both Tosfot, and as you can see here, and Sefer Itim, which, which records here the opinion of Rabbi Gon, who said in the study she wrote, we didn't have a custom of saying that last line in uh, in in Al-Hanisim. So you can see that there was already in the tenth in the eleventh century, there's already a bit of a tension, and the tension manifests itself in the technical issue of in that particular bracha saying something about the future, but I think it masks something much larger, which is that perhaps we need to contend ourselves content ourselves with Hanukkah as being a commemoration of the past and not so anticipatory about the future. Two last points. First of all, in looking into this, also found the second oldest Sidur that we have, the oldest of Vamagon, the second is Sidur of Sadyagon. And take a look at the Nusach of the Brachot on Hanukkah explicitly in Sidur of Sadyagon. Shasan nisin la'avotenu bazman hazeh. And again, not by Mahim. All right, and parenthetically, he also has the request of the future in Al-Hanisim. Right. Last thing is just an observation, which has nothing to do with the text per se, but about the miraculous times in which we live. <clears throat> Hanukkah was for a good fifteen hundred years or so, and certainly for the lat for eight hundred years or so, a purely commemorative holiday with all sorts of other beautiful things around it. And it was really seen as uh, a moment of glory in our past, a moment of rededication, lessons to take to heart, etc. At the beginning of the 20th century, Hanukkah, and perhaps even earlier, Hanukkah suddenly gained a new significance uh, in that it became almost the most important holiday within the world of Zionism, because, and specifically secular Zionism. Because the notion of the Jews rising up, defeating a, a larger, a greater enemy, establishing their own sovereignty, and reestablishing themselves in their homeland became a model. And I can still remember, and I don't know if it if it happens anymore, but I remember as a kid being in uh, in Yerushalayim, 19, Hanukkah 68. So this is the second year that we had Hanukkah with with access to the to the hotel. And there were there used to be a relay run from Modi'in, the home of the Maccabim, to the Kotel. 
with a torch. And there was a runner who would run, and then he would hand it off to another guy. And I caught up with the last guy. I was a little kid. I caught up with the last guy, and I ran with just the two of us running together. He's carrying the torch. We're actually schmoozing on the way. You know, very nice talk. And ran all the way down to the hotel. And I can still remember that. And I, I'll never forget it because it also imprinted on me the very powerful significance that Hanukkah has in the mindset of modern Israel as really being the model, as it were, of what it is that Bechaste Shemaim we've been able to, to recreate uh, and to reestablish in our day. And by the way, with far more success and far more longevity than happened uh, under the, and far more support for Limura Torah than ever happened under the Chashmonaim. So I want to wish everybody a Chagurim Sameach. It should be a, a very joyous and uh, in light. And we should uh, all really have much to celebrate.